0: Welcome to the Prep Huddle Podcast. I'm K.J. Pilcher alongside colleagues Jeff Linder and Jeff Johnson getting ready to talk about what happened in week five and what we expect to happen in week six. Uh, We'll also kind of discuss a few, uh, not necessarily hot button topics, but just a few topics uh, outside of uh, the action that we've seen this you know, just stuff on the periphery of what we've seen this week. Guys, uh, how are you here uh, as we get ready for week six?
1: Time to uh, – this is when um, – this is when it all counts. Is that a – that's a good cliche, right?
0: <laughs> just that's a good go-to.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, win or go home. Well, Okay, not quite winter go home, but <laughs> – you get the point. This is, uh, we're heading down the home stretch. I had a meeting yesterday with the IHSA about their new basketball rankings, um, initiative. And that was like, you know, Holy cow. They're going to start practice Lindy two weeks. Is it the girls start next week?
2: No, no, I don't think so. We're, we're not even in October. I think we're, Oh, I, I don't, I'm not sure that the girls start. They might start about the week of uh, state volleyball. I think we're still about four weeks away.
1: Okay. But, yeah, uh, just bringing up basketball season about to start is, you know, where the heck's the fall gone, guys, you know?
2: Right. I know that uh, the college, college women started this week, so
1: Iowa State so on and so forth
2: are going, and uh, it's crazy.
1: And Caitlin Clark's apparently a millionaire through her NIL endeavors, from what I read on ESPN. Did you know that, Lindy? No. How about that? Good for her.
0: Cashing in. That's cool.
2: Good for her. Yeah, yeah. She's uh much more wealthy than I am then. <laughs> you
0: know, it's kind of interesting. Uh you know, everybody thinks NIL will make uh will make Athletes rich and obviously the top tier athletes like uh, Caitlin Clark, like, you know, like like Keegan Murray, uh, Spencer Lee, it's going to pay off. But from what I've heard outside of that, you know, outside of the Tyler Linderbaums bombs and, and stuff like that, it's a it's a fairly modest amount that they're going to walk away with for for most athletes and you know it's yeah. not necessarily the get rich uh avenue that a lot of bright-eyed athletes even at the division one level think it's going to be
2: yeah
0: but for for the elites yeah it will, you know yeah. so um speaking of basketball we're we're starting to get Starting to transition in weather from the summer to fall, you know obviously it'll get uh, we're not that far away from it being cold and snowy, but um we at least got cool autumn uh, uh weather had that a little bit a little bit of a rainy night last Friday night on week five uh but the one thing that kind of stood out to me last week anyway um the blowouts, yeah. it just happened to be one of those weeks where you didn't necessarily have those real competitive matchups. Did you guys see the same thing?
2: Yeah, uh, Liberty North Scott was an exception. Uh, there might have been a few others, but uh, boy, the game I had at Kingston was certainly not a nail-biter. Uh, we had a continuous clock uh, to start the second half. Uh, Xavier just kept on rolling, thirty-eight nothing over Washington, and uh, you could tell after one offensive series and one defensive series that uh, this was going to be a non competitive
1: game. What do we have? Yeah. Uh, we had an eighty-nine nothing, right? And yeah. wasn't there another school that uh, another game? It was like eighty-six to nothing, if I remember correctly. There, there was a
0: ninety-four uh, nothing between Clark and Shenandoah, and of course. We'll kind of mention it later, but Shenandoah has shut down their their season due to injuries and numbers. So, uh, But we had a 94 nothing, 89, I think an eighty-six oh 0 game. Um, what is Shenandoah, a
2: 2A school, a 3A school? I think they're a 2A. That's two-way or crazy. Uh, I think they're at least 2A. Whatever they are, they're too big to not have enough numbers to play, to finish the season.
1: I agree. Uh and then, you know, then uh then we had games like Healin and MOC Floyd Valley that, that brought us down to earth seven to six. <laughs> seven six. Well there you go.
2: <laughs> that was yeah. Healin's first win, and uh who did they beat? MOC. I think that yep. was their second loss. So yeah, that was a surprise.
1: Uh, yeah, and Shenandoah to go back to Shenandoah had it won its first two games 36 to 24. Oh, wow. 20 to 7 and uh then the last 3 got outscored uh I'm trying to do a little math here it's always dangerous 150 161 167 to 0 in their final 3 games. Thanks. So, yeah, apparently uh it was injuries lindy that that shut the mustangs down.
2: I don't. Know. K- KJ mentioned it. Um or I, I, I had not heard anything about it. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh our uh a colleague uh, brian rafton uh oh, yeah. right uh, uh he mentioned uh just kind of injuries and in low numbers you know it was something even kind of coming into this week that they were dealing with and um just after this week it didn't make any really a lot of sense to to keep going um down that down that road so um and interestingly uh you know it's not just shenandoah um I've read here, uh, I've read at least two examples um, in recent weeks in other states where I think uh, Lincoln Northwest and Nebraska um, had a similar situation. Um, and then there was a team in uh, Michigan that, uh, due to low numbers and injuries, also um, shut down their varsity season as well. So uh, yeah. it's, not, it's not just uh, one state, one area, one school. Um, situation, um, it's, it's happened at various places, so
2: yeah, I, I know they were really concerned at the beginning of the season that they didn't think Des Moines Hoover would have a team,
0: really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and
2: that's you know, uh, yeah, obviously a 4A school, and I think they might have a win or two. Uh, they got one, they beat, uh, they beat Sioux City West in week three. Wow, and they got Lewis Central this week. <laughs> Good luck,
0: Huskies. Yeah, yeah. good luck. <laughs> um, so I was at uh, the battle for the boot. Um that stays with uh City High in a game that uh you know on paper we thought would be close, but uh from the onset uh city high had other um other intentions and it was uh a one-sided affair. City High went 49-0. It was uh 21-0 uh by the end of the first quarter. Um 35-0. and actually I think it was 28-0 by the time we reached like the 14 and a half minute mark of the game. Um, you know, I think with uh nine something, nine over nine and a half minutes to go, it was twenty-eight nothing, and then uh city high scored in the final minute of the uh second quarter to have a uh, 35-0 lead at the break and have a continuous clock and uh Drew Larson um you know uh you talked about uh some of the top performances of the week and he he was on uh he was on fire he completed almost 70% of his passes 16 of 23 for 216 yards four touchdowns um he also uh ran for a score uh and he caught a pass um and interestingly um i think the first two touchdown passes of the game were thrown by other people um ben keeter threw a halfback pass uh to carson newton um for the first score of the game and then it was uh, Oliver uh, Niss, who kind of had a kind of a throwback to the quarterback for a, a 15-yard touchdown uh, to Larson. So Larson did a little bit of everything. Uh, Mitch Moore ran up uh, during interviews and called him the QB1, said he was the best quarterback in the state. Um you know, and he—I tell you what—he looked—he uh, looked really good. Um, West got behind, didn't have much of an answer, and uh, you know the boot stay stays with City High. I'm assuming you guys were a little surprised by just the margin—not necessarily that City High won, but for it to be a, another 49-point um, victory, like it was a year ago. I thought
2: it would be a two touchdown game tops either way. I, I thought it was basically a, a toss up, and uh, it wasn't.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought West had a good enough offense to to score some points, and and obviously City High shut it down. And uh, you know, it's when you get up big like that, it's hard for a team to you know to to climb back in it. And I mean, they held. Just looking at stats here, I mean, they held West under 100 yards passing. I never would have guessed that. Right. Um, so.
0: Really took Christian Janice out of the game. He never uh, really got things. He he never really had too much space um, to work with to, to get open. And Jack Wallace didn't have a lot of time. That was one of the things, too, I think, uh, really – uh, affected things, he didn't have much time to to be able to let routes really play out. Uh, JJ, you know, you had a game that had some promise, uh, kind of coming in, Eastern Valley, Central City had uh come into this week, uh, that week, uh, four and oh, right? Yeah. Um, but uh. You know the Wildcats uh, hung on for a half, and then it just Easton Valley uh, a little too much to pull away in the end.
1: Yeah, that was pretty much it. You know, um, Central City I think fumbled in its first series, uh, which was a bad omen, obviously. And <laughs> but it was still, I mean, a twenty to I think it was twenty to six at halftime. Um, you know, so Central City was still in it, and then you know Eastern Valley just came out right out in the second half and you know, just uh, took control and, uh, you know, Central City's offense could never get anything going. And, um, uh, you know, Easton Valley's, a, as we know, is a tremendous team and it was a team that lost its quarterback, I believe in the first game of the season against Don Bosco with an injury. And, um, you know, they've, they've had to, a couple different guys kind of go not really under center because most everybody <laughs> in A-man takes, you know, takes it out of the shotgun, it seems like, but, uh, you know, uh, Hayden Felke has is, is switched positions from receiver to quarterback. And, uh, you know, he seems to have, have made that transition very nicely. And they've got a big kid, Charlie Simpson, who's got to be about a 200 plus pound running back that, you know, has little speed and could run over you or likes to run over you as much as he does around you. So that's just a really good Easton Valley team. And I, I think a good learning lesson for Central City. And, you know, which has had kind of a Renaissance season from a win-loss standpoint. Okay, this, you know, it's like, all right, boys, this is, this is what we aspire to, and this is what we're going to have to do now to, you know, to improve and and hopefully get to that level by, uh, you know, by the end of the season.
2: And um, uh, as far as Central City is concerned, oh, JJ's got a friend. Um, as far as Central City is concerned, they're still young, and uh, you know, you talk about what they aspire to being. That might be a team that's a year away from being you know maybe a top five team in eight man football,
1: yeah, they're very young, uh Corky says hi, I'm trying to get him out of here um, <laughs> he's uh i mean they they're young and they they've had a lot of success from you know as youths growing up, so um I mean it's the future looks pretty good there for for the Wildcats, I think um, you know you gotta learn how to how to win those big games, right boys and uh you know like I said I think the first trick for Central city was learning how to win period and and I think the wildcats have done that and now they've you know hey this is this Eastern valleys is a good a team a player team is there is in the state this is this is what we got to do to to get there like i said so uh uh I think coach jeff i I think you already mentioned this is coach uh Myers thought that they were already in the playoffs um. Um,
2: if they're not, they're already really close. Uh, yeah, I was,
1: that's what he I
2: was said. On Friday. I wasn't ready to declare them quite yet, but I, um, I don't see a way in which they don't make it. Um, yeah. top, well, it's top three and they still have one game to play. I wouldn't say they're mathematically
1: in, but
2: they're awful
1: close yeah so i mean that's that's another that's a good thing you don't have to worry about that right you know you can literally worry about your you know what you have to do to to get ready here for the for the full season so uh
0: looking at some of the other uh results um from last week uh one one of those uh blowouts uh dyersville backman with a nice uh a rebound victory um Beat Postville eighty nine nothing. It was uh, game. Talked to uh, uh, Coach Mark Atwater. He said it was just one of those things. It was just you know not much you could really do. Um, I think it was uh, just two teams at the opposite end of the spectrum, and um, wasn't uh, wasn't meant to to put up eighty nine points. It just uh, was one of those things that was hard to to avoid. Uh, school record uh, for Beckman, points in a game, uh, 89 points beats the uh, record of 84 that was set against Northeast Goose Lake in 2013 when they beat uh, Northeast uh, 84-20. And the real interesting thing about Beckman's win, um, they did it uh, preparing most of the week without their head coach, uh, Mark Atwater, not uh, with the team through Wednesday of the week. Uh, because his wife, uh, Mackenzie, was given birth to their uh, to their daughter. Uh, they welcomed Lola Ann Atwater Wednesday evening, seven pounds, twelve ounces, twenty inches long. And uh, the interesting thing is, uh, Mackenzie Atwater said, "Thursday, Mark, go be with your team. Go coach Friday." So, uh, big week for the Atwaters there and, uh, we certainly wish them well. And, you know, uh, congrats to, uh, the family McKenzie welcome Lola and, uh, glad, uh, mother and, and, uh, daughter are, are doing well, um, health wise. So congratulations Atwaters, and, um, big week for, for them and, and Beckman, um, Two other uh, two other results that really kind of stick out to me, guys. Um, and it's about teams really kind of bouncing back, I guess you could say. Um, we talked about this earlier in the year. Sigourney Kyoto surprised us being 0-2 at one point. Now, all of a sudden, uh, the Cobras are 3-2. Um, and they got a big win, 15-13 over Pella Christian, who... Was for uh, a blink of an eye our top-ranked team in Class One A.
1: Long, yeah.
2: Go
1: ahead, JJ. No, I was just going to say, "Long live the single wing," right?
0: Yeah. Kind of, kind of interesting uh, talking to Coach Jared Jensen. um You know, this was a team that lost a lot of talent from last year. A lot of, a lot of attrition to graduation and um it was just going to take them a while to to kind of get used to things and and these guys had just there are a lot of upperclassmen but they just haven't had those game wraps those that experience and and now you're starting to see them kind of get that uh in-game experience and it's uh they're making progress um the the one thing too um But uh, Cole Clarahan, um, he had two touchdowns. Um, I believe, uh, was it Caden Clarahan? Had a 32-yard field goal right before half. um, That ended up, you know, really kind of being the difference, too. Um, I believe there are... 217 Clara hands on the roster. (laughs) Um, No, I'm kidding, but uh, obviously. But uh, just kind of interesting that uh, there is a a huge uh, family uh, uh, connection there um, in the program, and um, they certainly uh, made an impact on, on Friday there is uh, is this a team that obviously they're gonna be uh front runners in that district now with an early win over pellet christian i think uh the only other team that's two and0 in in district play is Decatur central um you know we see in uh sigriny Kyoto being a team in one a that might make some noise yeah i think so um i, I, I don't
2: know if, if that's if they're Definitely better than Pella Christian, but uh, I think I think it's a team that can probably win a couple games and at least get to the get to the quarters. And you know, if, if the draw breaks well and and all that, uh, maybe get to the to the semis. Uh, they pro- my guess is they probably have to run into Van Meter at some point, but uh, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. It's all about matchups, right?
1: Right. I give, uh, you know, how long has Coach Jensen been down there now? At, at least what, five, six, seven years? Probably some something, something like that.
0: Yeah, it's got to be.
1: Um, you know, when when he came in to replace, uh, I, I believe he directly replaced Bob Howard, right? Um, was there a coach in, in between them? But anyway, uh, he came into the program and, uh. You know, he had his – he wasn't a Sigourney guy, but he had his own offensive philosophies and everything. And, um, you know, so they went away from, from the single wing for the first, you know, I don't know, two, three games, whatever it was, his first year. And to his credit, um, you know, he came to the realization that, that you know, it's this is all the kids in this town know how to do, or the two towns, uh, know how to do is play out of the single wing. So instead of that, making them adapt to what I prefer offensively, I'm going to adapt and, uh, you know, and, and go back to to the single wing because it's something that's unique and I'll learn it, you know, the best I can. And, and uh, the players are already familiar with it. So let's, you know, let's stay with it. So I give him a lot of credit for that. I, I don't know how many coaches necessarily would have maybe would have done that right guys. And this, you know, everybody has their own philosophy on, on how to move the football and, and play defense and all that kind of stuff.
0: No, agree. You know, another team uh, that just won at second straight and three and two now after a little bit of a rough stretch, Solon, uh, a big, uh, big win over, or I should say uh, a dominant win over West Burlington. Not necessarily a surprise, but uh, the Spartans win 36-0. Um, that's coming off a thirty-five ten win over uh, Denport Assumption. Um, we all know they had uh, two tough uh, losses back to back to Mount Vernon and Williamsburg, but seems like uh, things have kind of evened out a little bit and uh, kind of righted the ship a little bit for for Solon. Yeah, they're
2: they're three and two. They're going on seven and two. They're going to be seven and two going to the playoffs. They're going to win their district. Uh, don't think there's any doubt in either
1: of those statements do you no i i agree jeff and it maybe they're the this year's version of what we always say williamsburg is right play that yeah. that tough non-district uh you know schedule and then once you know maybe the the district schedule is isn't nearly as tough as what you faced uh pre-district so i mean that very well they very well could be uh, you know that version of of what Williamsburg is a lot of times just because of the of the schedule,
0: yeah, and they have Washington, Iowa at home, you know that's been a rivalry in the past, you know they've had some uh, good battles uh, this year don't don't think it's on that scale, and that's a homecoming at home at, uh, at Spartan Stadium. so uh, someone looking for for three in a row this week after coming off that win. Any other uh any other results that uh, kind of stand out to you um, from last week, whether it's in the area or uh, statewide?
2: I was surprised by the, uh, the margin that West Delaware won by. I think
0: that's another team.
2: I mean, they're sitting there two and three now. Uh, you know, it's a team you got to look out for, though. They, it's a team that could get hot. And I uh, you know they got a lot of new faces.
1: They're still West Delaware, and uh, they're still a threat in that district. Uh, yeah, you know, a couple. Um, I looked at it, it a big win for Liberty. You know, coming, I think what coming from behind to beat North Scott, yeah, twenty to
0: sixteen. Um, yeah, they went two and a half quarters without scoring a a touchdown, and then Graham Beckman threw three, three touchdowns, at the end of the third, and, and about midway through the fourth.
1: Uh, you know, Dubuque Waller got shellacked by Xavier a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever that was. And um, you know, once the, once the Golden Eagles have gotten to their class, which is two A, I mean they've they've really started to roll again. They beat uh a pretty good North Fayette Valley team forty eight to fourteen. That was another game that, that kind of hit my that hit me a little bit. And then uh out in central Iowa, uh Carlisle, you know, beaten Bondurant Durant 36, thirty six twenty, I think. Bondurant-Farrar yes, was un, undefeated going into that, and, uh, you know, so uh, just that was just a couple that maybe kind of hit me a little bit last week.
0: Uh, so, some lopsided, uh, you know, we said it was kind of a theme for the week. Um, results in the Metro. Uh, Cedar Rapids Kennedy handled uh, Dubuque Senior up at uh, Dalzell Field, uh, 38-0. Uh, Cedar Rapids Prairie beat Atumwa. 49-14 at John Wallfield. uh Lidmar um beat Cedar Rapids Jefferson 56-6. I believe a big uh big night for TJ Jackson, who returned a punt and a kickoff uh for a touchdown against the Jayhawks. Um mentioned those. Uh a and Jefferson will face each other uh, this week at Kingston Stadium. Um, you know maybe one more last shot for the Jayhawks to, to get a win. Um, And it also sets up uh, those games, set up a interesting battle between Kennedy and uh, Cedar Falls, who won 35-0 against Muscatine. And that'll be up at the Unidome uh, this week um, on Friday as well. Um, You know guys uh th- one other uh one other performance I didn't think it would necessarily be this type of uh score Mount Vernon handled uh community uh 47 zero on Friday uh are you with me being a little surprised by that margin of victory there yeah um and was this
2: was it just last week I guess it was a couple that that Marion beat Benton, you know, a couple of results here in two or three weeks that have really surprised me uh involving the Bobcats. The more you look at it, the more you think Tom oh, Marin's legit. Yeah.
0: Oh for sure. Look at what they've been able to do. And and JJ, you've mentioned just about how you know uh they they lost two of their key performers from a year ago but seem to have reloaded and and are just a strong um now that they're five and oh.
1: Yeah, what uh what Trenton Pitlick, right? Pilch, that was the name we we, we couldn't sorry, Trent. <laughs> we we couldn't remember your name the other day when we were talking amongst ourselves, but that him and uh Owen Brahzi were two wonderful players last season for Mount Vernon. They were very uh, you know, predominant in, in everything that Mount Vernon did and uh you know they graduated, so uh Shame on us for you know overlooking the Mustangs and you know Joey Romberg, who split, I think kind of split QB duties last season uh for Mount Vernon as a sophomore has really really come into his own. I think he had uh I think four touchdown passes, if I saw right, last Friday yeah. night against Benton. Um, through for I think over three hundred yards. So I mean that uh you know that that Peterson guy down there, he you knows how to coach a little bit, I think. So <laughs> you know it's uh him and him and uh, him and his dad both have really good uh have really good football teams this season right guys
0: yeah both undefeated right now uh you mentioned uh jody robert he uh, threw for 329 yards um and you mentioned uh, what was it owen Brosy from uh last year there's evan Brosy, uh was a recipient of uh six of those completions for 153 yards, 25.5 yard average and three touchdowns um, in that, uh, that win over Benton community. So um, yeah, Mount Vernon uh, and they, of course, they have a big game this week against uh, Davenport assumption um, as well, but Hey, let's, let's switch gears just a little bit. um you know we talked about the the blowouts uh if you look at the gazette.com uh our weekly four downs uh q and a um, piece is up and you can see some of the the long answers here but um you know we talked about blowouts in the four downs is that something that is a sign of the gap widening widening between the haves and the have-nots in high school football? I think
2: to an extent, yes. Um, and, you know,
0: like I wrote in the four
2: downs, I think a lot of it's just the fact that offenses have gotten so much more wide open and explosive and imaginative that it's easy to, for teams to score a lot of points. Um, you know, back in our day, and you know, I can probably speak for all three of us that you know, if you hardly ever saw a game that ended up more than four or five touchdown difference, you know, 20, nothing was a blowout no, a 20 point game is reasonably competitive. Um, you yeah, know, it, it's just that, uh, um, I, I, I yeah, I, I guess that's my funny saying, yeah, it's, it, it's widening, but, uh, um, I think there's ways around it. Um, I think the 35 point rule could be amended a little bit so that, uh, uh even if there's a penalty the clock keeps running uh even if there' on change of downs clock keeps running or may, maybe you do that once you get past 45 to 50 or something like that that uh it just doesn't stop at all except for I don't know
1: that's interesting Jeff you know i I said I guess on a four downs I didn't think it was any different than usual but I, I think you do bring up a good point with uh with the offenses being more prolific these days than, than what they have been in the past. And uh, it's interesting. I, you know, I mean, these kids only get what eight, nine chances um, to play in a season. Uh, and I understand, you know, when 86, nothing doesn't do anyone any good, 94, nothing doesn't do anyone any good. but uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think these kids want to play too. Right. You know, and they don't get as many opportunities to play as maybe basketball does with the 30 with 35 point rule or, uh, you know, there, or whatever it is. So I don't know. Um, let's, I don't know. I re- I really don't. How about that? I'm, I'm being Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wishy-washy. I'm sorry. So.
0: Yeah, that's all right. Um, you know, uh, one of the things too, that the season kind of marks is the 70th anniversary of the first football games uh, being held at um, Kingston. Um, JJ, you're currently um, working on something that'll be up at the gazette.com and ioprepsports.com. Uh, you got to talk to uh, Bob ask who was a long time uh, Jefferson coach. And at the time, was a young assistant for McKinley um, during those first scrimmages held at Kingston Stadium in 1952. Um, we'll have a story and some stuff kind of surrounding that. But uh, what what was that experience like talking to probably uh, somebody that's forgotten more about uh, football in the metro area than anybody else probably will ever know?
1: uh one thing is for, for 90 for anyone his mind is great um it's unbelievable he's, he's the kind of guy and, and you know how it is boys i mean it's just some guys you just kind of let talk right um you don't necessarily ask a bunch of questions because they you know uh they're going to talk and they're going to give you anything everything that you need and you know mr is such a nice gentleman and his knowledge is encyclopedic uh when it comes to Uh, all things Jefferson on the west side and I mean he gave me some some uh, I don't know if you you can see it here rosters of the four teams that played back in 1952 in the in the opening double header which is really interesting as heck to me Um, you know he he kept the journal or he has kept the journal he says for for over 80 years of his life right it every day and he showed me his journal and and the entry uh, back on September 12th, 1952 and how excited he was and everybody was to open that stadium out there. And I don't know what you guys think, Uh, KJ, you got the pleasure of playing in it. Um, Certainly, which, uh, which, you know, has to be uh, something you'll never forget. But I mean, just like me, I mean, you went out there and watched so many games, right. Um, Over the years before we even got the jobs we did and, uh, I think the old gray lady is still, is, is held up pretty well over these 70 years. I don't know what you guys think, but I guess that's my opinion.
2: I think the facelift that, that it had, uh, the first one, you know, 25, 20, 25 years ago when they when they first put the turf in, and then just a few years ago when they made it an eight lane track and, and took out the the seating on the North Horseshoe and made that into a nice grassy area. Um, has have really kind of revitalized that stadium. Um, you know, I, I would say before they did that, it was almost kind of dumpy. Uh, you know, it, it kind of aged, but uh, you know, now it's been refurbished a little bit. Uh, I think it's a really nice stadium.
0: No, I, I tell you what, I don't, I don't know if there's been anything quite like playing at Kingston. You know, it. You know, you see some some grander stadiums now, um, but at the time, you know, uh, my senior season was 1992, the fall of 1992. Um, at the time, you just didn't have stadiums like that, you know, so it was, uh, it, it was neat to play at, you know, you had Dalzell, but still, you know, at the time, that was like a big sandbox. Um <laughs> a field and you know this was something you we know, only took buses across town to to get off at you felt big time right you felt you felt cool you're loading the bus at washington washington's parking lot going across town getting led off uh on the back side of of kingston and then going into the tunnel coming out of the tunnel um you know for warm-ups and then running across you know uh, to the sideline. It, it just had a really neat uh, atmosphere and energy. Um, and I can tell you, there were times, you know, that place could get really raucous and electric. I, I don't know if I've seen quite the same turnout. I don't know if it's just student bodies have changed or, uh, you know, just kind of the general public has changed you know because you'd have people that have been like school supporters for years that would still come out to Kingston and watch games and and, you know I don't know if you get quite that uh like you used to uh for whatever reason but you know I I said in the the four downs I remember our back-to-back uh varsity games against Jefferson um in 91 and 92 Those two, those two games, uh, I'll always remember. Um, It was fun. It was heated. It was rough. It was brutal, and that was just in line getting popcorn and (laughs) pop. Um, You know, but but seriously, I I read uh, I read an account of the nineteen ninety one game that Wash won twenty one to six. Uh, You know, we had had read in a paper leading up to it that, uh, you know, it was the best in the West and, you know, the collision philosophy and um, the old market out at uh, Westdale Mall. We went out and got a shirt that said Beast of the East. So that (laughs) was a counter thing. We ended up uh, winning. I think there was like an account said there was like five thousand five thousand people ish. There. And, and I believe it in the year after 92, when uh, I think it was like seven, nothing at half. And they dumped us 27 zero. That was one of the Jefferson's best teams since, you know, the seventies. Um, that was one of the most brutal physical back alley fight kind of games that the crowd was into it the whole time. And you walked away, even though we got our butts kicked thinking that was fun. That was something I'll never forget. And that's part of Kingston's lore. And I know there are players from Kennedy. There are players from Jefferson. There are players from Regis. Uh, Jeff Linder, you got uh, some accounts from Dwayne Schulte. Who yeah. was a part of uh, LaSalle's team that used to play there as well. You know, yeah, I uh, talked
2: to Tom Kapadich as well.
0: You know, every, every, each people from all those programs have stories like that, um, Mm -hmm. that really makes Kingston, uh, special, you know, to people that were in the stands, to people that were on the field. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest things that they, they ever did was put in turf. And I know that sounds goofy to sound, to say, because just about everybody's got turf now. You know, but, you know, Kingston was one of the, one of the first fields in the area to, to have that. And that was something that was desperately needed. Cause you guys, yeah. I know you've seen, uh, I re- I remember our junior year where we had probably a couple weeks straight of rain and I don't think there's any grass from like the 40 to the 40, <laughs> No, you know? And if it's, the we had a, I think it rained when we played Lindemar there and there was no field. I mean, we were, we were playing in a mud patch, you know, Yeah, Yeah. and, and it's cool because, uh, I'm pretty sure maybe they've changed it. Um, but you know, they had all three schools represented on the turf. Yeah. You know, we have Jefferson, Kennedy and Wash, uh, now that Xavier, uh, plays on its own but you know and we're only talking high school you know uh we don't need other people chiming in letting us know that there are cfl and nfl games and stuff that we already know um we're only focusing on the prep side of things cole used to play there obviously um, as well but um semi-pro but uh high school wise it's just it's uh it's an institute, you know, it's an institution when it comes to venues.
1: KJ, Jay, I know you all you remember when when it was at its fullest as far as Regis and LaSalle playing there and Cole. I mean, every week uh, you had a game Thursday night, you had a game Friday night, uh, you had a game Saturday night, just because there are so many teams using that field. And sometimes you'd have Cole play during the afternoon and then Michael like Salle or whoever play Saturday that Saturday night. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this, you know, like, and I know Jeff, Jeff's not, you know, didn't grow up in Cedar Rapids, but I know how much that stadium means to uh, me. I didn't even play football, but just many times I've been there. And can only imagine as a player what it meant, you know, to play there. So,
0: you, you know, and the, and the cool thing is you you mentioned the, the different games. I mean, it, it was pretty regular uh, from what I remember that we'd have our, We'd have our walkthrough on Thursday. We'd have a team dinner, and then we'd go over to to Kingston and watch whoever yeah. was playing, whether it was Kennedy or Jeff or, or sometimes even Regis. Yeah. Uh, at the time, uh, Lasalle was starting to play at their school, maybe um, by '93. But excuse me. But yeah, we'd go. And watch. I still remember watching. You know, I grew up with a lot of the the Regis. Uh, players, and I remember going to watch them play on Thursday night, get city high, and
2: mm-hmm.
0: jokingly uh, taking bets how many times, how many touches before Dwight would Tim Dwight would score, <laughs> uh, because he ran roughshod over Regis on that Thursday. And uh, you know, just uh, yeah, you know, it was more than just playing on it, it was going to to watch other teams, and yeah, kind of a unique. And I know Brady Street is that way in Davenport with the the school sharing it and and stuff, but it was just different um and, and it made it special that you know uh it was not just our home it was Jefferson and Kennedy played there and Regis played there and you know uh it was it was the place to be
1: Bob asked told me uh I didn't realize this at Prairie even played there one year yeah Must- I I don't know well, if it was, was before John Wallfield was built or if there was I forgetting something for that. That at the field there.
2: Uh, it, it was at the time LaSalle was playing there because uh Kipatish brought either Kapadish or Schulte brought that up too, that yeah. there that third year prairie was there as well. And and that I think that was a really rainy year and, and Kapadish said there was no grass between the twenties and between the hash marks. He said it people were just ankle deep in mud the whole yeah. time. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know and you think of you think of some of the people that have gone through there too that have played um, you know you you think back to you know like what like Lane. you know it's not just football I mean it's track and and everything i know linda you you kind of provided some perspective about uh you know the track and um I remember watching uh, my niece play soccer. Um, on that field too um, it's, it's not just football even though it's it's probably most notable for football but think of some of the names of people that have come through there um, you know Doug Lane and Larry Lawrence NFL um, guys yep. you know uh, Dietrich Ward uh, played in the NFL uh, you know right now Sean Bayer is on the Green Bay Pack practice squad and you know, part of, you know, uh, Adrian Arrington um, as well, who, uh, you know, played at Michigan, right? He was at Michigan, and then I know he was with the Saints um, for a little while. Um, Some guy named Warner. I can't remember Warner, his first name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in that street, uh, kind of leading into the
1: That's right. That's parking right.
0: lot, Warner Way. You know, that's that's a Hall of Famer right there. So the names and the the people, you know, Matt Petrozelka, who was at the University of Iowa. And then uh, I think uh, uh, Maya played just a little bit with the Buffalo Bills for a short period. You know, people like that from all the different schools. Um, It's not just one school. It's the different schools that have had prominent people on that field and people have been able to see them and walk in the same tunnel and dress out in the same locker room and probably the same crappy wooden bench, (laughs) um, you know, that they sat on too. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of history there and, you know, I could go on and on obviously, but um, really neat, uh, uh, really neat history. And Seventy years is a long time and a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, like I've never
2: been in either of them. I don't know if JJ or not, uh, what's it like in there?
0: Uh imagine an old prison. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, that that's what it is. It's very bare bones, cement floors. Um, you know, I just remember gray <laughs> hey, and kind of run down. It sounds like they've made some renovations to the locker rooms uh, and stuff, but, you know, I think it's still pretty, you know, kind of blah and basic in that, Um, you know, it's, it kind of adds to the charm a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but yeah. Kind of dull lockers, you know, big giant shot, you know, just wide open showers and stuff like that. And, you know, it was pretty dingy, dark (laughs) dark and dingy, I guess, you know, at least it used to be. You know, they have a little bit more fun in there few hokey pokies, I think, after Kennedy wins or, or whatever. But you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, okay. So let's move on to week six here and talk about some of the games here quick. Um that we have we've kind of touched on some of them that are that are coming up. Um Kennedy heads to Cedar Falls for probably one of the better matchups there. Uh Washington uh, looking to get back on track at Clear Creek Amana, uh, Manor. has got a tough one welcoming Southeast Polk, um, from central Iowa for a district game out at the, uh, uh, Lions stadium there. West branch at Durant. Um, I think that's, uh, that might be one of the top games, uh, right along with Kennedy Cedar Falls. Do you think guys?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, uh, uh, eager to hear how uh, how West Branch fares against uh, Nolan DeLong, who's already put up fourteen hundred yards this season.
1: Yeah, he's had a heck of a year, hasn't he, Jeff? And and I, yeah. uh, you know, uh, West Branch's offense has been pretty prolific, I think, pretty much all season. And uh, what Andy Henson's had a real good uh, season as running back, and you know, Ty Hughes has come in from Liberty and and provided a real good quarterback option for him. So. Uh, I I gotta think West Branch. Just the tradition to me makes me think West Branch is, is favored in that thing. But um, sure. yeah, it'll be interesting to to see. You know, just because you're just with uh DeLong uh the and his prolificity, uh, you know, can can Durant hang around and and uh, maybe pull the upset here.
0: Uh, You know, we mentioned uh, Mount Vernon heading to Davenport Assumption for uh, another big test there, probably uh, their biggest test since beating uh, Solon 17-14, Washington at Solon, uh, Waverly-Shell Rock at Marion. Uh, The one game that, Linder, you're going to be at, uh, Atumwa at Jefferson at Kingston Stadium. Um think uh this might be maybe their best shot uh at a win for the Jayhawks with the their remaining schedule.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think this week and next week also against Waterloo West. I think uh both of those are maybes. Um, you know, I I think if you're a, a Jefferson Jayhawk, you go into both of those games and maybe even Marshalltown too, thinking, hey, we've got a shot. One. um you know Davenport Central they took to overtime I think I think Jefferson's a little better this year um you know nobody's going to say they're great but they're better um and I would say that uh they've got to go into this uh in throughout these practices this week thinking hey we've got a shot at this one
1: yeah um, it, it, I'm sorry KJ you knew uh or you know, uh unfortunately Jefferson lost uh, an assistant coach this week and, and Nelson Evans, who KJ, I know you knew him pretty well. Um uh, my limited interactions, he seemed like a, a great kid, a great guy. And uh our hearts certainly go out to the Evans family and, and the Jefferson family, right?
0: Yeah, and his, his son Braylon uh uh I believe a, a sophomore um there. Uh yeah, you know that was he was a you know he was a first team all stater on that 1992 team. Uh, you know his dad. Uh, uh, it was Nelson Evans III. His dad, Nelson Evans, um, uh, I believe the very the first uh, black principal might have might have even been the very first black teacher in the Cedar Rapids Community School District. Um, wow. I can't remember, but I I'm pretty sure he was at least the first uh, African American uh, uh, school principal. Um, in the school district. Um, Nelson was a Jayhawk through and through, man. Um, There, there there's no doubt about that. Uh, He was, he was a great offensive lineman. Uh, Kind of looking through our archives. Remember uh, seeing a picture of him kneeling down on the the sideline for an alumni game. And I think that was about 2010 when uh, you know, there's a national group that was coming through putting on uh, alumni games and kind of setting those up and Jefferson uh, was one of the teams that played, um, I think, Lidmar Marion um, played one game, and that was Jeff Kennedy in the other, and he was there with Chris Busing, who was a former coach. And uh, He was – Brett Stepanek, um, who was a former Jayhawk and actually played in that alumni game too, uh, I think recounted that uh, he was on, like – Nelson was in on, like, all four plays – to start the game, the first four plays. And then he blew out his knee. Um, And I remember talking to him before that game, joking about how we were too old for stuff like this and then he blew out his knee, but he came back and coached, uh, you know, at Jefferson, he, he was a Jayhawk had a great laugh a great smile, but you know, he, he loved football, loved Jayhawk football, Um, big loss. And yeah, you know, um, it would be really awesome if they could uh they could come away with a win this week um you know um, as a tribute there but yes, so uh you know our condolences uh to the the Jayhawk football community and the Jefferson community as a whole um, you know uh you mentioned they play Waterloo West next week um I'll have uh, Waterloo West at Prairie uh, this Friday. Um, JJ, you've got Washington Clear Creek Amanda. is that correct? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, it, these are big games, right? District games and, and you know, for Washington uh, last year, what they lost to Xavier and uh, Clear Creek Amanda um back-to-back to start district play. So, uh, and, and, you know, it, it's a big game for both. I mean, uh, I think both have designs on, on maybe, um, you know, being that not, you know, assuming, you know, Xavier, which has been just great so far this season, zooming Xavier is, is your district champ there or something, but, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, uh, you know, if Washington can rebound from the tough three games it's had and the tough schedule and, you know, if Clear Creek, uh, can, can, uh, can win a big game there at home.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, Washington, uh was in pretty good position last year and kind of lost that one uh late at Kingston Stadium so will see if they can uh kind of right the ship against the clippers get it get it right the ship <laughs> clippers ah, ah, okay i'll I'll keep my day job um uh you mentioned Xavier they host Pello which normally is a is a kind of a mark your calendar type game except Pella's at 1/5 um coming off a loss to Newton. So the luster is kind of, uh, off that, uh, usually pretty decent matchup, um, this week. Uh, some other games that I just will mention quickly that, uh, uh, around the state that I thought looked like good matchups, uh, Lamar's Webster city. Um, those two teams are about four and one or so. Um, Grundy Centers five and zero against Nashville Plainfield. Who's four and one? Red Oak and Green County, both four and one teams, kind of on the back half of our uh, weekly uh, rankings. And then Dowling and uh, Johnston uh, face off against each other. Um, anything else uh, for the upcoming week that uh, kind of looking forward to? Uh, we've kind of
2: touched on. We, you've touched on all the. Um... All the Metro games you, you, you mentioned uh, West Branch Durant Mount Vernon Assumption uh, might want to say something quick about mid prairie uh, host Williamsburg uh, five in August four and one uh, winner that goes uh, takes uh, complete control of that district I think you know I think you gotta say Williamsburg's a, a fairly healthy favorite there but uh, you know mid Prairie's kind of quietly put together a solid season as they usually do
0: two strong wins after they're only lost to Regina right?
2: Yeah,
0: uh, one
1: game, not quite in our area, but around us, uh, to Parkersburg, and Dyke New Hartford boys. That's oh. that's what I'm I'm real curious about uh, up there at Ed Thomas Field.
0: Yeah, two uh, tradition rich uh, programs going head to head there. So now comes to my uh, spectator part of the the podcast, the Survivor Pool. I, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we'll keep mentioning that until somebody joins me. Um, but uh, you guys still have picks, Jeff, Jeff, and Nathan T. Ford are still in it. Uh, go ahead, guys. Who did who are you going with? Uh, this week, go ahead, JJ. I've
1: got Iowa City Liberty over Mount Pleasant to take care of my uh foray obligation in this thing,
2: okay. Sounds pretty safe. Uh, Nathan went Central City over Springville. Tracker Bowl.
0: Yeah, that's
2: right. And uh, I'm going to go Xavier over Pella. Um, I I still had a 4A um, pick, and I think that's a pretty safe one, and I think we'll probably both, uh, all three of us will probably still be rolling in week seven.
0: (laughs) Well, bad luck, guys. Um, (laughs) I, I hope you guys lose, so I'm not the only one still sitting out in the cold here um but uh rehash uh where, where are you going at uh and where people can follow you if in case they're living under a rock and don't already know uh linder why don't you start where are you going to be yeah i'll be at uh, i'll be at kingston
2: um i'll be uh taking in the jayhawks uh, against the Tumla and hoping
1: uh head ball game and uh it sure be, and sure be neat to see this losing streak. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, folks, at jeje 66 I'll have Cedar Rapids, Washington against Clear Creek, Amana in the beautiful and expanding town of Tiffin.
2: Have you been to the north side of Tiffin
1: lately? I, over the summer, I have. It, it, it's amazing, right, how, how much growth has been in that town and that community. Yeah, you drive through there, you think you're in Waukee or something. That's right. That's right. Soon to be NBC bound, right, Clear Creek Mana? I, I
2: would say by the, I would uh, pay down a week's salary to the Thursday NBC by the end of the
1: decade. All right. Book it, Daniel.
0: Uh, I am going to be at uh, John Wall Field uh, for the Waterloo West Cedar Rapids Prairie matchup on Friday. You can follow me at KJ Pilcher. Uh, the first person to come up to me and give me a high five and say, I watch the prep huddle every week. Uh, you will get a free used t-shirt out of my closet. <laughs> <laughs> and half a package of Skittles. So just keep that in mind. Um, also, tune in. <laughs> uh tune in uh to the uh the gazette.com iowa prepsports.com uh for all of our coverage our previews our game stories um and even our live scoreboard uh how the ranked teams fared all the information you need to know friday uh nathan ford is a big uh kind of spearhead set uh coverage for us and does a great job of compiling everything uh so you can consume it uh at will as early as friday evening so make sure you tune in uh friday night for our coverage this week of week six of the prep football season for jeff linder for jeff johnson for nathan ford who's behind the scenes but is the most important man from grinnell i've ever met uh thanks for watching the prep huddle And like our friend that ran into the bulls on the uh, video clip on Twitter didn't do, keep your head on. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash
2: podcasts.